Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families and in this episode of Enterprising Families I have Rania Labaki and she's going to be sharing with us about the topic corporate governance and how it connects with family governance including sharing best practices and what it takes to succeed and some of the things we just need to highlight as we are navigating family business, family governance and corporate governance in family business. Welcome Rania. Hi, Titi. Hi, everyone. I'm delighted to be part of this podcast. And so I would like you to introduce yourself to my audience so that they know who you are and what you do before we jump into our topic today. So I'm Rania Labaki. I am an associate professor of management at EDEC Business School and the director of the EDEC Family Business Research Center. Um, and I am a passionate researcher, educator, an advisor specialized in family business issues, mainly the interplay between family dynamics and uh, miscellaneous decisions uh, in the family business. Brilliant. And so today we are going to be talking about corporate governance. And um, I know people always confuse corporate governance and family governance, but I think uh, above all things, both our governance and help us become better as navigating our families and our businesses. So my first question would be, can you define for us what corporate governance is and why it is so important in businesses? Actually, corporate governance is uh, it's not a very old terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, uh, governance uh, in Latin means gubernare, which means to stir, to react. And uh, when we had um, uh, lots of um, corporate scandals uh, uh, back in early 2000s, mainly uh, with companies like Enron, uh, like WorldCom, uh, with uh, conflicting interests, uh, and, uh, and frauds, which led you know, to, to those uh, company uh, demises. Um, the, you know, the corporate governance took uh, more importance. So it's really about um, uh, putting in place structures and systems which uh, allow uh, the shareholders uh, to make sure that the managers are aligned with their own interests. So actually, uh, you know, uh, in any company, you have shareholders and shareholders are in charge of holding the main strategic decisions and they delegate the execution of those decisions to the managers. So in some cases, the managers um, prove to be opportunistic and uh, do not really execute these decisions or make recommendations for strategic decisions in line with the shareholders' expectations. And that's why, you know, structures such as uh, boards or specialized committees uh, can come into place and support uh, the um, shareholders in making sure that managers are aligned. And why is corporate governance really important for a business? I know, like, globally, it's become a, a talking point where 
most of anyone you want to do business with um, asks what is um, your corporate governance structure and do you comply to um, certain standards for corporate governance? Why is it important within, within a business or any formal business? Yeah, actually, um, businesses usually pursue uh, the objective of value creation. Uh, shareholders' value creation was, you know, of utmost importance uh, during the past decades. Uh, and up to now, although things are changing, and I'll explain how. Uh, so the idea is that, uh, you know, organizations should perform in a way to create value for shareholders, right? And for this creation to take place, managers should be acting accordingly. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I mentioned, there might be conflicts of interest, but there might also be some asymmetry of information. So sometimes managers hold important information from shareholders who are not there on a daily basis uh, in the business. So in order to ensure this um, value creation, uh, there needs to be you know, appropriate governance structures. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, now we are leaning more towards stakeholders value creation. So the idea is not only uh, to have the business perform well to uh, meet the needs of the shareholders, but also to take into account stakeholders uh, more generally speaking. And that's how, you know, we're talking more about, you know, stakeholders um, uh, oriented governance rather than shareholders oriented governance right now. At the same time, of course, progress uh, takes time and um, uh, worldwide governments have put in place uh, some governance codes. Uh, some of them are really uh, recommendations. Some of them are more of um, requirements, especially for listed firms. Um, and these, you know, include um, uh, structures to be to be set according to certain composition uh, evaluation that needs to be made on the different structures levels, and also uh, specification regarding the compensation structures. So that's why, you know, uh, we are seeing increasingly companies setting up boards of directors, mm -hmm. as well as additional committees which could be audit committee, strategic committee, uh, remuneration and nomination committee, ethics committee, social responsibility committee, and so on. And those committees will actually operate and focus on you know, specific themes uh, that come and support the board in its reflection um, towards this uh, value creation. Brilliant. And so when you're looking at family businesses, what is the unique things that family businesses look at or should look at when they're looking at their own corporate governance? Yeah, so in family businesses, um, what is interesting is that we have family members involved, mm -hmm. right? And in the family business, we have more complex organizations uh, because of the intersection of the business with the family and the ownership. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at the you know, best practices um, uh, and the governance codes that exist actually, they really support the fact that those uh, governance bodies uh, should be, for instance, uh, composed by independent members. So uh, at least, you know, uh, a big part of them, for example, members who uh, do not work in, in the business, do not have an executive position in the business or do not have connections with the business as clients, suppliers. Uh, or with, you know, with some entities um, that the business, um, you know, uh, owns. 
And this also includes partly uh, not having family relationships, right? Uh, in the same time, in family businesses, we know that um, they, uh, they tend to perform uh, better than other businesses, specifically in crisis times, which is the case uh, right now. So it is important also to say, okay, let's, uh, you know, find a balance between, uh, you know, uh, for instance, the independent members and the family members who have, you know, added value um, and, and can bring, you know, uh, additional um, uh, support and relevance also to the business strategy. Um, and, uh, and, and that's, that's where the complexity comes, you know, how to find that balance. But in addition to that, so we have also family members uh, to take into account. So governance is not only about, you know, making sure managers, you know, are aligned with the shareholders or stakeholders, but also making sure the family itself is aligned regarding the vision of the company. And that's why in family businesses, in addition to corporate governance structures, we have family governance structures. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what do you think are the ideal family governance structures that really help the, fam the corporate governance structures in family businesses? So um, family governance structures can come in different forms. There is a wide variety out there and there is no uh, consensus about specific definitions or terminologies. So each family business basically will come up with structures um, uh, with you know denominations that that fit their vision and uh, and also a functioning um, mechanism uh, you know that, that is also uh, relevant to, to what the families uh, is expecting mm -hmm. so basically we tend to identify two types uh, of govern family governance structures so we have uh, you know, the bodies uh, such as, you know, family council, uh, family assembly, um, family office, some also put into place the family foundation, um, you know, it could be also next generation committee, uh, it could be, you know, fam specifically dedicated uh, family funds. Uh, so different structures uh, that will support the family uh, in this alignment process. But we also have another type, which is more of an agreement uh, um, uh, type. So we can have here the family charter, a protocol, the succession plan. Uh, we can also have it more legally structured, such as having a family shareholders agreement where family members, you know, are uh, need to abide by uh, the conditions um, in there and otherwise, you know, uh, they can be um, uh, held accountable for it in courts. Um, so we have those two different structures and uh, each family needs to find uh, the structures uh, that fit their own characteristics and then develop them by keeping in mind, uh, you know, that there should be a relation established with the corporate governance bodies. Okay. And looking at the experience that you've had working with um, families and also working with uh, family businesses, what do you think are the best practices that families need to really 
think about as they align their corporate governance and their family governance so that they can be more successful, especially when it comes to generational transitioning and also building solid businesses that are, um, are that help the community and serve the community whilst their family builds that societal wealth within that same community? Well, I think the best practices, um, uh, you know, should both focus on the corporate governance structures and the family governance structures and the relationship between both. Mm -hmm. So we know from research, for instance, um, that uh, diversity, for example, in um, corporate governance boards, uh, uh, you know, uh, allows uh, businesses, um, you know, in general, overall to enhance uh, uh, their performances. Mm -hmm. uh, in family businesses in particular, we tend also to see that this um, relationships uh, stands more strongly than in other businesses. Uh, so there needs, for instance, uh, to be um, a diversity in, in the corporate governance boards. Mm -hmm. um, and this diversity could be, of course, the, you know, gender-wise, but the idea is also to make sure that it's not only based on gender, it's also based on the competencies of um, you know, the members of the board mm -hmm. and that these competencies are aligned with the strategy that the business is pursuing. Um, uh, and, you know, and the level of experience of those members is also aligned with what the business strategy is, uh, um, is being geared towards. And uh, in addition to that, uh, age-wise, it's interesting also to make sure you know that uh, different generations are represented, um, and you know, and would convey you know um, uh, strategic directions um, accordingly. And uh, um, and again, as I mentioned, the dependence um, of at least part of um, the board members uh, uh, will also will also help uh, help in there. So. And in that sense, you know, governments uh, have been issuing lots of regulations worldwide. So there, there is a program made and, you know, companies just need to abide by those uh, requirements. So this makes it more, you know, structured uh, for, for businesses to, to, follow, to follow in a way. Um, at the same time, you know, we need to keep in mind that these governance bodies need to make sure also that they're monitoring, you know, the manager and the committees, uh, the managerial committees accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and, uh, and for this also, the compensation plays an important part. So there should be transparency, um, uh, both in the ways this compensation is being decided, but also, uh, you know, how the compensation is being delivered to who. Mm -hmm. And uh, last but not least, uh, the evaluation of the members of these uh, corporate governance uh, structures is, um, is, a, is key as well. And, uh, you know, companies are increasingly doing both um, uh, auto evaluations. So, uh, you know, and, uh, and also having external uh, independent uh, organizations supporting in the evaluation process to make sure, you know, that um, uh, the board, uh, for instance, is operating smoothly, effectively, efficiently. Uh, and all members uh, of the board are contributing. Uh, so, you know, again, the composition, um, the compensation and the evaluation are important criteria uh, to make sure that those 
corporate governance bodies are you know operating uh, as expected and allowing you know the shareholders or the stakeholders value creation now on the family uh, you know governance side uh, uh, there has been you know some studies showing that family businesses tend to start uh, developing their family governance when succession is taking place but also when the family's complexity increases yeah. Uh, so there needs, you know, to, to bring everybody together and make sure, you know, that uh, having family members, you know, geographically dispersed and uh, with different competencies does not um, lead them to sell their shares and just, you know, let down, uh, you know, the family uh, and the continuity process. Um, so then, you know, we need to, to start somewhere and um, the research I have undertaken uh, lately um, has shown basically that it's the process that counts more than you know setting up the governance structures per se, which here shows slight difference between you know corporate governance and family governance uh, successful like uh, implementation. Uh, so in the family, we need to uh, first of all start uh, increasing awareness about the importance of the family business. Uh, we need to have a leader, you know, being in charge of uh, bringing the family together to start reflecting on the family history and on uh, uh, the family business uh, vision that they want uh, all to, um, to abide by. And then all together, you know, get educated to start the vision process. So it's the whole process which takes time. Uh, so the member of the family, members of the family should first come together explore what they have in common, like what are the values, uh, formulate their vision, and based on this, uh, you know, governance structures on the family level will be set and developed. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's more of a process, uh, and this process will depend on the needs. Mm -hmm. Like for, for instance, if we have a family with a thousand family members, um, most of them being a part of the next generation, then this makes sense to have uh, next generation dedicated committees, for example, mm -hmm. and to identify their interests and perhaps, you know, create subcommittees or specified uh, specialized committees, uh, which would not be the case if, you know, the family is rather small and perhaps mainly with, uh, you know, uh, senior generation members or what you call the now gen. So, you know, members in their 50s and their children are really still very young. So the composition of the structures and um, uh, yeah, the type of structures would be, would be different. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Rania, for highlighting so important issues within the, the government infrastructure of families and family businesses. Is there any last parting word you'd like to share with our listeners today before we round up this episode of Enterprising Families? Uh, so there needs to, you know, be fine balance between uh, the efforts that we're going to make uh, on the family governance side and the corporate governance side, and there needs to be, you know, a good connection between both. So uh, one of the recommendations I would make is, you know, to make sure that both, you know, bodies um, connect with each other and communicate with each other. So sometimes we might have uh, one member of uh, the family council on the family governance side, for instance, also uh, present on the corporate uh, board. 
so uh, that member can convey, you know, uh, the discussions, the reflections made by the family to the board and make sure that the vision of the family is being taken into account in all the, the processes. Uh, and also, you know, next generation members um, should be encouraged to come to the, to the um, uh, governance, corporate governance meeting to attend as observers to learn you know, about how, you know, the business is operating, how the strategic direction is being monitored or, you know, uh, developed. Um, and uh, so this creates a kind of continuity and making sure that the values of the family are infused uh, in the business, uh, in the business uh, as well. So there needs to be this connection and there needs to be a balance uh, achieved uh, um, uh, on both the corporate governance and family governance sides. Thank you. Thank you so much once again, Rania. Thank you, Titi, for having me.